Hello, I'm attorney Paul Whalen with Afford Law. At Afford Law, we practice criminal and family law throughout Massachusetts. We offer our services at a reduced rate based on your income. So the less you make, the less you pay. Today, we're going to be discussing depositions in a divorce in Massachusetts. What is a deposition? A deposition is one form of discovery that takes place during a divorce action. Discovery is essentially a, an exchange of information between both parties, between you and your spouse. Um, discovery items include uh, discovery items include things such as interrogatories, which are a list of written questions, um, requests for productions of documents, uh, and so forth. Uh, and probably the most in-depth uh, and important is the deposition. So a deposition, think of a deposition as a mini trial where there's only one witness. So for our example, let's say that you're the witness that's being called to testify. So you'll receive a, uh, a summons or a subpoena to appear uh, at probably the attorney's office who's representing your ex. Most, most depositions take place at, the, at an attorney's office. So you and your attorney will show up on that particular day at that particular time at the office, and you'll have your deposition. The other party will be there. The other party's attorney will be there, you and your attorney, and there will be a stenographer. That person will be recording everything that you're saying. So you'll be placed under oath because you're giving testimony. That means it, you are under oath and that if you are uh, untruthful, then you could be charged with perjury. So it's very important to be very forthcoming, very truthful at your deposition. As I say, there's only one witness, uh, and that person is you for that particular day in our example. Uh, so the stenographer's there. Uh, that, that person will swear you to put you under oath uh, so that everything you say is truthful. And the person who is calling, the attorney who is calling the deposition will begin to ask you questions. That's what's called direct examination. Like I said, it's a mini trial, so it's just like a trial. One attorney starts off by asking direct examination questions. So, you know, they'll start out by asking you your name, your address, and so forth, and then going into a whole host of uh, other topics, other issues, uh, all doing having to do with your marriage, with the dissolution of your marriage, uh, with your finances, uh, with any, uh, if they're claiming there are any bad acts that you've committed or something along those lines. Uh, they're trying to get all the information out. The whole idea behind discovery is that the court doesn't want to have what they call a trial by ambush. So they don't want to have any surprises happen at trial. So the discovery process is all about um, getting all the facts out there so that nobody is surprised if it comes down to a trial and, you know, all of a sudden a surprise witness pops up or, you know, an allegation that's never been uh, raised before or so forth. I mean, that does happen rarely, but it does happen. But uh, the whole idea is to is to not have that happen because they don't want to take advantage. The court doesn't want someone being taken advantage of at the last minute. So uh, so the direct examination proceeds. Um, and I have to tell you that giving a deposition as, as the witness, uh, it's a stressful situation. You're on the hot seat, uh, no doubt about it. I've attended hundreds of depositions, I've given them, attended them with my clients. Uh, it's a very stressful situation. I myself have been deposed one time for a car accident uh, where I was injured. And even though I've been through it a hundred times, you know, as the attorney, uh, once again, being on the hot seat, it's a little bit different. You're, you're, get a little bit tongue-tied, you don't want to say the wrong thing, um, and so forth. So 
your attorney will probably tell you, uh, which would be good advice, is don't say too much. Uh, don't volunteer any information. Be honest, be brief, but don't volunteer any additional information. If the attorney wants to get information out of you, he or she will do so. They will ask you questions specifically to get that response, to get that information. Don't start just going off on something because you're you may think that you're you're helping your case, that you're helping your situation, but a lot of times, more often than not, that can lead you into more trouble uh, than it than it's serving you. So, uh, be honest, be brief, don't volunteer any additional information. So that's that's probably the best piece of advice that I can give you uh, for a deposition. Try to relax as much as possible, but I say I, I know that it's very difficult to do so. Everybody understands that. People are very nervous under those uh, under those conditions. It's like testifying in court, except it's a smaller you know it's a smaller room, and uh, there are probably fewer people around and so forth. But it, it is still a, a stressful situ situation. So there's direct examination. That's where the person who the attorney who called you asking questions. Then your lawyer will have an opportunity uh, to um, ask questions as well. So there's direct and cross examination. There are also objections uh, that happen during the course of a deposition, just like at trial. The major difference is that objections, there, there is no judge there uh, that will rule on those objections. So you see in movies and in TV shows, you know, the lawyer says, I object. And the judge says, you know, I, the, I sustain the objection or the objection is overruled. The judge makes a decision whether that piece of evidence comes in or not. Because there's no judge present, obviously a judge can't make that decision at that time. However, it's very important that your lawyer make those objections at the deposition because they're preserving their right to argue it if should it go before a judge. So let's just say that there's a question that's asked and it calls for hearsay information. And hearsay information is basically any statement that's being um any statement that's being proposed and uh, trying to prove the matter of the truth asserted. It's kind of a complicated uh, definition that we have in the law, as all definitions in the law are complicated. But basically it's somebody else person did something and the person is representing one place. So that's hearsay. Hearsay is not admissible generally, but there's a lot of exceptions to a hearsay rule. So let's say during the uh, during the deposition, during the, your examination, uh, your lawyer objects to a question and says, objection hearsay. So that is now preserved so that if they want to um, keep out that piece of information, whatever that is, keep it out of evidence at time of trial, now your attorney has preserved his or her right to argue before a judge uh, that that piece of information should not come in. So generally what happens is the lawyer will say, I object, will give, perhaps give a grounds upon which the objection was made, and then instruct you to go ahead and answer the question anyway, uh, because they, they can take, take up the matter uh, further down the road. That's usually, usually how objections are handled. So the uh, stenographer is there, and uh, he or she is taking down everything that's being said, and a transcript can be uh, can be made from the uh, recording and from the uh, stenographer's notes. The transcript is very important because that transcript can be used at time of trial. 
and it can be used in a few different uh, situations, uh, one of which is if uh, the party is unavailable to testify. So in our example, we've been saying that you're the one that's, that's being deposed. That being deposed just means you're the person giving testimony at the deposition. Depositions can be of witnesses who are not parties to the divorce. So for instance, perhaps there's an accountant that has done a, uh, an evaluation of, of one of the spouse's uh, businesses, or there's a real estate appraiser that's giving inf information about the value of the marital home or something along those lines. So they are uh, brought in, uh, they, they are under oath, uh, giving testimony, and each side can uh, ask, ask questions to that person. For some reason, if at time of trial that person is unavailable, they're out of state, they can't be reached, they're ill, or they're uh, deceased, that uh, evidence, that testimony is preserved with the transcript of the deposition. So that's one way that a transcript deposition can be used at time of trial. Uh, another way is that it can be used to impeach the person being deposed. It can be can be, they can be used to impeach your testimony. So let's just say, for example, that in the, te in the um, deposition, you say that, uh, that you make, I don't know, $100,000. And at the uh, trial, you're asked, how much do you make? And you say, I make $50,000. Now, the opposing uh, attorney can now get up during cross-examination and say something to the effect of, isn't it true that a deposition was taken uh, of you on a certain date? Uh, yes, it was. Isn't it true that you were asked how much money you make? Uh, yes, I. Yes, I. That's true. And isn't it true that you said on that date you make a hundred thousand dollars? Today you're making. You say you make fifty. You know, basically they're trying to say what, at what time were you lying? Were you lying then, or you were you lying now? That's basically how that cross examination goes. I mean, there may be reasons why it's different. You know, maybe you lost your job or whatever. Because they have that transcript, if you um, veer off what you said at the deposition, that transcript can be can be brought in on cross-examination to impeach your credibility, to, me, to make it sound like you're not believable, at least on that topic, and perhaps on other topics as well. So that's basically what a, a deposition is. Um, it uh, lasts, it can last for a long time. It can be a short deposition, but in any case, like I say, it's a very uh, stressful situation, uh, but it's something that's mandatory if, if you're called in to testify. So just keep in mind that at a Ford Law, we practice criminal and family law throughout Massachusetts, and we do so at a reduced rate. What we do is we use a sliding scale. Uh, when that slide scale is based on your income. So we take the amount of money that you make per year, we take how many people are in your household, and we come up with a number of uh, what the uh, what our hourly rate is. And I can tell you that our hourly rate is usually drastically different from the going market rate uh, for attorneys of our experience. And we, we do use affiliate attorneys with a great deal of experience in both criminal and family law. Uh, these are not new uh, new folks to the bar. Uh, these these attorneys have been around the block. They have a great deal of uh, litigation experience and experience throughout the whole divorce and criminal law process. So we'd be happy to try to help you out. That's why we're here. We're trying to make ourselves as affordable as possible for the working men and women of Massachusetts. Because before now, uh, people that, that are working but can't afford an attorney really had not, not many options when it comes to uh, litigating cases. Uh, oftentimes, they were left to um, 
litigate their case, what they call pro se or on their own, which is really generally not a good idea. So in any case, please feel free to visit us at affordlaw.org. Uh, see if there's any information there that we can provide for, uh, for you, um, and we'd be happy to answer any questions. Please feel free to book a virtual, free, no-obligation appointment. I would be happy to answer any questions you might have about depositions, family law, divorce law, or criminal law. At Afford Law, we're making justice affordable. Thank you.